It's a wonderful opening because that's what I'm doing right now at a loss for words. Um, no, not really, but God put it on my heart to uh, uh, bring a message to you today. Uh, good morning. Oh, you did it better for me than you did it for Dave. Thank you very much. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Dan Logan. I'm the chair of the Elder Council here at Grace. Once in a while, and uh, once in a while means a long time in between, is that pastor lets me come up here and preach. Um, I love to do it, and, and it is quite an honor to be able to do that. But the reason why is I'm here is because pastor is out officiating a wedding today. He um, uh, didn't look at his calendar quite right and got his days a little confused. So um, he's out there and, and I'm in here with you wonderful people. If you're a guest with us this morning, I want to welcome you as you're on our video cameras. Even though I've been around Grace since 1968. Can you believe that? That's a long time ago. Um, I still remember what it's like to have a warm welcome and be a newcomer uh, here at the church. And for all you are watching, I hope that you might consider joining us in the church for a service like this. This morning, I'm going to be sharing with you some of the scriptures that I really like, Isaiah 55, and also from James 1. As we look at these verses uh, if you'd like to follow along on your iPad or your phone or whatever it is you like to follow around, um, you can do that. If you have a, a Bible, you can open up your Bible. But if you didn't bring a Bible with you, the ushers have Bibles for you. Um, and if you could give your hand or some way of motioning for them that they know to give you one, uh, we'd love you to have one to follow around. And if you don't have a Bible at home, would you please take one of these Bibles at home? They are a free gift from the Grace Baptist Church to, um, to help you because you need to read the Bible at home, not only at this church, but so you can follow along on maybe the daily bread or something like that to, to help you to read the Bible more. Again, thank you for uh, being here. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Let's pray. Dear Grace Heavenly Father, again, I just want to thank you so much for the privilege of being here and speaking your word. Lord, I, I just pray for everyone that's here that there will be open ears and, and open eyes, that they hear the message, that they see what is happening. And Lord, that the, their life will be enriched because of that. Uh, Lord, again, we just thank you for the Holy Spirit that is here indwelling in each and every one of us. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As no, most of you know, and maybe some of you don't, I am a Gideon. And the Gideons International travels all around the world preaching God's word and handing out God's word to people all over the place. What a privilege it was when I first joined the Gideon ministry and found out what they were really like. Because like some of you, is that all I ever saw was the Bible that was in a church. But there are much more than just putting Bibles into churches. The Gideons International is made up of an association of business and professional laymen. 
It is international in scope and worldwide in outreach, while each member is assigned to a local group called a camp. Uh, the camp is more than just a fellowship, a meeting. The camp is, is a need for men of good report and good standing in their church or fellowship and who can participate in the work of the Gideons. Therefore, the standards of membership need to be high. We need to be men that can go out and get the job done. I joined the local camp back in 1983, so I've been around for a little bit. And again, what a pleasure it was to be allowed to join the Gideons International and be a part of their work. When I first joined the Gideons, I said, uh, told the members of this local camp, I said, you can depend upon me. Oh, that was a bad thing. You can depend upon me that I'm never going to leave this camp area because I I wanted to stay local. And so I said, I'll be here. And finding out what the work was like, we hand out the Bibles in, in all of the different highways and byways. But what people see mostly is going to the hotels and motels. And we open up that drawer or find the Bible sitting on, on the, uh, uh, the nightstand. And a lot of them are already, already marked so that people know what to look for. But there's those Bibles. But we don't only do that. Is in Columbia County, we didn't have any hospitals, not, for, not since a long time. But we go to the hospitals. And we go to the nursing homes and we hand out these Bibles. Now, what's special about these Bibles? Well, it's just the New Testament, but it's larger print. And I know right now is that I need larger print. I don't read that little stuff like I used to. And so most people, they have a larger print Bible um, of the New Testament and the Psalms. Now, that was kind of fun. No, not really, because I don't like to be in a, in a hospital. But I knew it had to be done. So we went. We also went to all the schools in Columbia County, and that was what I really liked to do. I liked to go to the schools, but when, when I first went to the schools, is that we could go into the classrooms, and we could hand out uh, the testaments to the boys and girls. Now, we handed out, which many of, I should say many of you, but I see some grayer-haired people out there, and so you got the Red Testament, Now, the Red Testament signified that it was for schools, and we'd go into the schools, we'd talk to the teachers, we'd talk to the little kids, and a lot of times the teachers or a little person would ask us, what is that? You know, it's a Bible. It's the Word of God. And we would accentuate that this is the Word of God. You need to read it every day if you can. And and then we would hand out the Bible. Now, when I first started going to the schools, the Gideons usually always give a word of testimony to the children. But if we gave out little red Bibles, we couldn't do that. Um, Otherwise, they would remove us from the schools. We didn't want to do that. So we we obeyed their rules, even though we didn't like that. Um, So, but later on, we changed from the little red Bibles to the little orange Bibles. And the little orange Bibles we had to hand out on the street corner. You've probably seen, or some of you have seen us, standing on the street corners just outside the school and handing out the little orange testaments. Now, I really like that because as the boys and girls came by, 
we could talk to them, which many of them we did. They would ask us questions and we could answer their questions. We could give them a testimony. I remember in Scappoose one time I was down there handing out testaments um, on the street corner right next to the junior high. And this little guy rode up to me on his bike and I said, would you like a testament? And he said, no, you gave me one last year. Well, I had no idea that I gave him one last year. I said, oh, good. And he says, you know, I've been reading that every day since. What a really good word that this young man was reading the Bible that was handed out to him. What a pleasure that was. And then, you know, we give out uh, the, the testaments to the military, which we don't have any military that was here. Um, we give out uh, testaments in, in the hotels and motels, like I said. So any place that we can go, we give, a, we give a testament. And also, if we just start talking to you, if you're a stranger, is that we always have, and mine's sitting over there, I left it over there, we have a little testament. So if we meet you on the street corner and we start a conversation, by the time that, yeah, there it is, there it is. it's a little maroon-colored testament, by the time we end up talking to you, is that we're going to offer you one of those testaments. And we're, all, we're going to ask you if you would like to know Jesus. And we do that all the time. Is that, That's what is so much fun about being a Gideon. Now, I, Isaiah 55, 11 says, It is the same with my word. I sent it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper where I sent it. Now, you heard the word I in there. That isn't the Gideons. This is the word of God that he is telling us and telling you that his word will accomplish the, the purpose that he sent it. What is that accomplish? What does he want every, every person to do? He wants every person to believe in his son. And so if you read that testament, you are going to come to know Jesus as your personal savior. That is what I really like to do. Oh, I'm already behind on my slides. You know, can I think and speak at the same time? Well, sometimes, but not all the time. Uh, you know, when I, I first joined the Gideons, I said I would work in Columbia County only. Well, after I was a Gideon for a few years, I thought, well, um, that's not very nice. You know, um, I can do other things. I was still young enough to, to travel. And so I started traveling and, and mostly going to Portland and helping the Gideons who are in Portland because they have lots of hotels and motels and lots of schools and they needed help passing out God's word. And so I went in there and I started helping those people and then I started traveling around the rest of the state of Oregon and then I started going to Idaho and you know what, uh, what fun it was telling people about Jesus and meeting other Gideons that were excited as I was. So I had a, a really good time doing that and then um, I really wanted to uh, travel even, even farther than that. And so I said, well, Lord, would you allow me to travel? Because uh, we have Gideon in camps in 100, or 200 countries around the world. You can look at uh, the, the world and highlight the, the Gideon areas. I said, Lord, I would really like to travel. And it just became a burden on my heart. I prayed you know, quite a bit that I would be able to go that. 
And so one day, uh, Gideon's International called me up and said, would you like to go? And I said, yes, I would like to go. And, and, uh, but in my heart, I said, I would like to go where I want to go. And, and I had some, a list of countries that I really wanted to go to. Well, Nigeria was not on that list. And when you, you, you tell God you're never going to do something or you don't want to do something, it seems like he always picks on you. And that's where you're going to go. And so uh, the first country that I was able to go to was Nigeria. Now, Nigeria is in Africa, and you can see the highlight up there, the little, little, little red highlight. It's right in the middle of Africa. It's right on the equator. All the things I don't like. Um, but God said, go. I said, okay, I will go. Um, what do I do, God? And he said, well, you're going to hand out Bibles just like you do here. But I don't know any of those people over there. And I don't speak their language. And you know, God, I will take care of you. Put your trust in me. And that's where, not that I didn't learn to trust him, but I put my trust in him. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. So that, I had to rely upon that. Put your trust in him. He will take care of you. And so the, the Gideons, they made all the arrangements of where we were supposed to go and, and fly over there and do all that other kind of stuff. And, and it was the greatest thing that I had done up until that time was to be able to go over there. We handed out 547,000 testaments in 10 days. God helped us. You know, we as men cannot do that. But with God's help, you can do that. You can do those things that are, you think you can't do. We went to schools and hotels and motels and, and all that kind of stuff. But what was really great about it is I learned to witness. I learned to tell people about Jesus because that's what it was really all about. It was about doing God's work. Handing out his word and then telling people about Jesus. Now when I... When I got over there, I found out that I was supposed to give a Gideon message in 12 minutes. Now, today I'm not going to talk. I'm going to talk much longer than 12 minutes. So be prepared for that. But we were supposed to go into a school, and we were supposed to be able to give the Gideon message, tell everybody about Jesus Christ in, in 12 minutes. That was the one thing I found impossible. I, I had... People timed me. I had all kinds of stuff. And, and um, I got it down to 15 after 20 or 30 or 40 of those things. But how do you tell people about God and about Jesus in that amount of time? And to be able to let them know what the Bible says about Jesus and then um, be able to give a witness of how they could become followers of Jesus. So I, I went to Nigeria um, it was kind of interesting because uh, the, the day we were supposed to leave, the day before, night before, is that we got a call from International. And they said, um, you're not going home. And we said, what? Air France, who we were flying with, has gone on strike. You're not going home. Yeah, that kind of bothered us a little bit. A uh, couple hours later, they, uh, they called back and said, well, 16 of you, get to go home. But there's four of you that can't. 
I was one of the four. So that night, is that um, we all prayed for the other four and uh, that they would get flights on with the rest of them. Uh, got up in the morning, three more got, got tickets. There was one guy that did not get a ticket. It wasn't me. I was one of the three. Um, so we, we prayed that he would get a ticket. And sure enough, ten minutes before that plane was going to take off, they arranged a, a ticket for him. I don't know how they did it, but he got it. And, and homeward we went. Um, when you go on an ISB or International Scripture Blitz or when you hand out the Word of God and, and tell people about God, it will change your life. And you that have done that before and have had people accept Jesus as their Savior right at that time, you know how that feeling is. It gives you just a warm feeling in your heart. When you're over there, you know that uh, quite a little bit because there's a lot of people, a lot of young people, and a lot of other people that come to know Jesus Christ because you told them about Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit was, is out there working before we ever go or while we were there. He is telling you what to say. The first time I got up to do a Gideon message in a school, there was only 1,600 kids thereabouts in the school. Um, if you didn't know me before, I'm kind of shy, or at least I was. The Holy Spirit's changed me, and I didn't know what to say like it was in that song. But I, I said, Holy Spirit, you know, I don't know what to say. How do I tell these kids about Jesus Christ? I stepped up in front of those kids and the voice just spoke to me. I, I gave, um, it wasn't a 15 minute, it wasn't a 12 minute message, but I gave about a 20 minute message because it was the first time I ever did it. And all of that was the Holy Spirit. He spoke through me and he can speak through you as you are out there witnessing to people around the world. I came back from that, and, and I was all excited. And I traveled all over the place, speaking to different camps and different associations and, and banquets and all kinds of stuff, thanking God for all that he had done for me and putting those words in my mouth. Now, after doing that for two, three years, is that I thought that came upon me, you need to do it again. And I said... Really? You want me to travel again? And yes, he did. So I said, okay, I'll, uh, I'll attempt because it wasn't up to, to me or up to the Gideon Association. Um, you know, I prayed and sure enough, I called International. I said, um, there's a burden on my heart to go to someplace. And they said, okay, we'll take it into consideration. A couple months later, I got to call. I said, you know, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, please, Lord, don't send me back to Africa. Next thing you know, that's where I'm going as I'm going to Africa. And I'm going not too far from where I was at in Nigeria. I just traveled up to Ghana, which is, uh, as you can see, a fairly small uh, country in, in Africa. But it's about the same. It's hot. It's dry all those other things that I didn't really like. 
But I'd had experience. So I went to Ghana and we handed out uh, 580-some thousand scriptures in 10 days. Just, it was so much fun. The universities were just open to us. We went to the University of, of uh, I think it was the University of Ghana. And the kids, I shouldn't say kids, the students just flocked to us. I mean, it was, we were standing there, and I, I remember uh, standing on a street corner. It actually rained quite a little bit. I had to stack the Bibles up so they didn't get wet. But there was a dormitory right next to us. And up in the top level, this person came out and said, can you bring Bibles to us? And I yelled back, no, you come down and get them. And they did. They just, word got out that we were down there handing out Bibles to those boys and girls. What, you know, a pleasure it was. And then one day I was standing on another little place and I saw this lady walking towards me. She looked like a a Muslim lady. And I I was thinking in the back of my hand, don't talk to her. But this other voice said, you need to talk to that person. So I went over and started talking to her and said, I had a Bible for her. And she said, oh, my old one is worn completely out. I was looking for a new one, and here you are with a brand new Bible that I can use to do my studies. You know, what a... God does things in such a strange way, and we call them coincidences, but they aren't coincidences. God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly where you need to be at that time. So, uh, Ghana was a great place to go to. I really did enjoy it. So, where is my... After I got home from that... I uh, wanted to travel around some more. It took a couple of years to um, get that taken taken place. And so I said, oh, Lord, um, send me again. And I don't, you can't really see that, but there's a little red dot down in South Africa, down by South Africa. It's called Malawi. And Malawi is the poor or one of the poorest countries in Africa. They have no real industry. Um, They live off what mineral resources they have. They're landlocked, so they have trouble selling their goods that are over there. The people are so neat. I got to really travel out into the uh, byways of, of Malawi. Some of those little villages that I went out to, there was barely a road that led, led us out there. They were all dirt roads, all real rough roads. Some roads that are Charlie and I have traveled on going deer hunting, they weren't even that good. They were just big rock and dirt. I remember going over one bridge that when I saw it, I said, Lord, please help us because I don't think we can make it over that bridge. It was so rickety. It was not boards. It was just logs that were laid down across the stream bed. Oh, I kind of closed my eyes before we went there, but I, oh, you know, we got to go. And so, you know, we drove way back in into the, the, to the bush. Most of the boys and girls had never seen a white person before. A lot of them hadn't because when I walked out of the, the uh, pickup they were in, some of them gave a big gasp. 
of who is that guy? And they told them, they are the Gideons. Well, of course, they don't know who the Gideons are. They don't know anything about us. But we got to go in every classroom. We got to visit every kid. We got to talk to all the teachers. And they had never seen a Bible before. We got to tell them about what a Bible is about and what it is. And that's when sometimes it would take me 20 or 25 minutes to go through uh, uh, each class. But they were so interested that they wanted to know. The Holy Spirit had been out there prepping those kids and those teachers. When I would get done, we'd go over a prayer of accepting Jesus. And then... You know, I, I like kids, but I also, you know, you need to talk to everybody. And so I would talk to most of the teachers who were out there. And I would say, um, ask them, are you a Christian? And, and a lot of them would say yes. And i say, well, when we get to heaven, what are you going to tell Jesus? And most of their answers were, is that I've been a good person. I'm a good teacher. I teach these kids good thoughts. I help them. Uh, have a productive life. And I said, is that what you really think is going to get you to heaven? And yeah, yeah. I said, well, why don't we turn in our little testament, so we gave them Bibles too, and turn into Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And so they would turn in that, they would, I would say, read that to me. You know, I'm kind of a teacher myself. Read that to me, and they would read that to me, and then they would say, by faith, And I'd say, yes, there's nothing you can do to work your way into heaven. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. You just need to believe that and have faith, and then you will get to heaven. Most of the time when I talked to them, they wanted to, I'd turn them to the back page, and they'd want to say that prayer, Jesus Come into my heart. I am a sinner. And we'll go over that in a little bit. But what a pleasure that was to to be able to do that, to be able to to talk to those people that were over there. You know, one of the other things that uh, after a couple years, I decided I wanted to go again. and, And again, I gave some stipulations. And I said, you know, I wouldn't mind going to an Asian country um, I was thinking Vietnam or Laos or one of those countries. Uh, but God had a different idea. He said, now you're going to go to Indonesia. And when you are told about Indonesia, um, not everybody, but a lot of people know, Indonesia is 99% Muslim. And I thought, we're not going to do much in Indonesia. We're not going to be able to do the work that we want to do because people don't like us. I, I found out differently. We went to a, a, a little town. I went to a little town called Bitum. And I, uh, I myself and a couple of other Gideons, that's kind of the, we took over that town. And it was a great little town. The people were open. I remember walking down to the, and I, I'm sure you've heard this, walking down to the wharf one day. And there were some guys working uh, they were just had they were building a little wooden structure, 
And so I stood there for a while, and finally they put their hammers down for just a little bit, and I started telling them about Jesus. All five of those men came to know Jesus as their personal Savior. God had prepared their heart. I was just out there doing his work. And then we were walking back down the wharf, and, you know, I'm quite a fisherman. Not all of you know that, but I love to fish. I only fish three or four days a week, sometimes, sometimes five. But I love to fish. And I was walking down there, and this captain of the boat came over at the wharf, and he said, uh, would you come talk to my men? And I said, oh, sure. Where, where do you want me to meet him at up here? And he said, no. He said, I want you to come down to my boat. And here's this old rickety wooden structure. And, and it was about 40 foot long. But I was really concerned that if I jumped onto this boat, I was going to go right through it because it didn't look like it was too strong. But the captain took me up to the, uh, the pilot room and he invited all of his sailors up there. And, and I told them about Jesus. I didn't have to tell much about Jesus because you know, they're pretty poor people. They want to know that they, they have a Savior. So I was able to tell them about Jesus, and um, right there, they accepted Jesus, all 25 of those guys. It was, it was just fantastic how God would prepare this place. And then the, the, the other place I went to is, and I, I don't like jails. I really do not like jails. But I was invited to go to this jail. Now, it was what we call a lifer jail. And they weren't going to come out of there. They were bad criminals. And the, uh, the warden there said, yeah, just come on down. We're going to all meet in this open area. And I thought, you know, all? Yeah, uh, where do I stand at? Well, he stand, you stand right out there amongst them. And I oh, okay, you know, that, that gets a heart pitter-pattering just a little bit. But I said, Jesus, help me. Help me to be able to tell these people about Jesus. So we sit, and I got a lot longer to speak. We communicated with those, those jailers that you have sinned. I have sinned. Everybody has sinned. You are paying a price for your sin sins, but the price has already been paid by Jesus. He already laid his life down for you, even though you have taken maybe a life or done something else. You can go to heaven if you accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Of course, I spent a lot more time doing that, but that was the message. We asked them, How many of you would like a copy of God's word so that you can read it while you're in here? They all raised their hand. They all took a copy of God's word. The very first one that I walked by that wanted a copy of God's word was the warden. And he professed to me that he was a Muslim before I got there. God's word does accomplish what he set out for it to do. Of course, that wasn't the end, is that I'm kind of a glutton for punishment, uh, although I don't call it punishment, but some people do. I went to Ecuador. I didn't have to go back to Africa. 
I didn't have to go to Asia. And I thought, boy, Ecuador is going to be a nice place. It's in South America. Travel wasn't so far. So I went to Ecuador. And it was a great place. If, if you would just take Ecuador out of the map and put Oregon on it, you're really close. The weather was close. Uh, we, only, we, we were surrounded by seven volcanoes in the one area that I was at. The uh, temperature was about the same. Um, we got snowed on. We got hailed on. We got rained on. We got blew on. All the kind of stuff you happen in Oregon. We were able to go to Ecuador and, and hand out scriptures down there. Uh, we didn't hand out quite so many. Only 300,000 in the, the time we were there. You know, it was, I went to a lot of little churches, little churches that were 15 or 20 people that was there. They were indigenous people, and, but they could understand Spanish and understand English, and I was able to talk to them. What a great time it was being able to go down there and talk to them. I won't talk about my, my trip back because it was a little interesting, um, Travel wasn't quite so good there. But then, again, um, you know, I was, I was doing God's work. So then I said, okay, I, I want to do something else. I don't want to go with the Gideons anymore. I want to go and be able to, to just to witness to people. So I found a, a local group. They're here from Columbia County, Yankton Baptist Church or Yankton Community Fellowship. And they were going down to Mexico. I know Rick really well, their, their pastor. He's, we, we, all, we weren't in the same grade, but we were close together. And, and I was communicating with him, and he said, they were going down. I said, can I go with you? I want, I want to go down to Mexico. You know, never being in Mexico before. And he said, oh yeah, come on down. Uh, we have a great time telling people about Jesus. And I said, but what do you do? And he said, we have open air meetings, and we tell people about Jesus. And and we work in orphanages and, and some other stuff. And I said, don't you hand out Bibles? Mm, nope. I thought, well, you got to hand out a Bible. you got to leave them with God's word. And he said, well, we don't do that. So I said, well, I can find Bibles. And so we went down there and we ended up taking 3,000 Testaments with us, which isn't very many, but um, it was for the group we went to it was really good. And we went down there and we had in the, the city centers, the little plaza, we would set up and, and we'd have open air meetings. Most of the meetings, unfortunately, well, or fortunately, I got to lead because I'd been on a few of these things before. But it was strange. I would, we would be telling people about Jesus and I'd look out into the crowd and where Mr. Funk was, is sitting, there'd be a person that was there. And I'd look at him. And all of a sudden, there would be a halo around them. And I would say to one of my partners, you need to go talk to that person. That person needs to know Jesus. And that halo was just there to signify that there was something going on in that person's heart. And it was we were going around visiting to those people. That's what would happen. Is that, given the message is that all of a sudden, people would just stand out. Individual here, individual there, individual here, individual there. And so I would say, you know, uh, Carolyn, you need to go talk to that lady. And, and Rick, you needed to go talk to that lady. And they did. Many people came to know Jesus because of that. Because we 
told them about Jesus and we sent them out with a copy of God's word. The Holy Spirit just opened up to us. Um, They were having not a civil war down there, but um, a a lot of um, those Mexican gangs were down there. But we never met any of those. We were never accosted. We were never talked to. Um, It was... It was set up before we were ever there that we were going to have a very peaceable time that was there. As we were telling people about Jesus, of course, we use this verse, John 3.16. And every time we would talk to them, we would maybe not start out with this verse, but we would tell them this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. People didn't know who Jesus was. People didn't know that he died on the cross for their sins. But God predestined all of that. So we, we use that quite a bit. When I, was, I found out afterwards, when I was in the Muslim countries, I didn't use that as much, but it was at the tail end. And then we would tell them, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. And when I was in schools, I would point at the teacher and say, even the teacher has sinned. I have sinned. You have sinned. We all have sinned. There was no one that was perfect but Jesus. And he was the perfect and died on the cross. And then I would tell him, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. We are going to be in heaven forever with him, with other people. And usually what I would do about here is it was in if if I was with the schools, I would grab one little person's hand and bring him up with me and I'd say, One day we are going to meet in heaven. And we're going to be together for the rest of your li- uh, our lives. What an awesome time it is. How do you need to do this? If you confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, you need to confess your sins. We all need to confess our sins. But God is faithful. If you do that, and open up your heart and accept him. He will and we will be together. Jesus says, and this is the verse that I use a lot. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I, I, am, I, am, I am the way and the truth and the life. It's too far away. I can't see it very good. <laughs> no one comes to the Father except through me. Now this, this is Jesus talking. Jesus telling us this. There is no other way. And that's where the, the Muslims understand that. They understand that Jesus is the way. The truth and the life. Do you believe that? A lot of them said I want to believe that. I need to believe that. If you want to believe that and you need to believe that, there's just a simple little prayer that you need to say. And it doesn't have to be word for word like this, but you have to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. 
If anyone out there today has not heard that, don't put it off. Is God tugging at your heart to say a prayer like this? To allow Jesus to enter your heart? Put your trust in him. You will be saved. That's an assurance. It will happen. And so the prayer says, God, from my heart, I admit to you that I am a sinner and ask for your forgiveness. I believe that your son Jesus took the punishment I deserved by shedding his blood on the cross. He gave his life as the full payment for my sins and rose again from the dead. Thank you for changing my heart. I now confess and turn my sins and receive your son, Jesus, as my personal Savior and Lord. Amen. You can say that prayer anytime if you don't know him, but you need to turn it all over to him. So thank you. If there's somebody out there that on the, 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 the live feed that has not done that, now is the time to say that prayer. Now is the time to turn it all over to him. For you, congregation, what are you going to do? James 1, says, Be you doers of the word and not hearers only. How can you be doers of the word? You can this week or this month. I would challenge each and every one of you to be able to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Dave, you probably ought to come up. I forgot to give him the up sign. You need to be able to be as Christians, as followers of Jesus, you need to be able to tell the story of Jesus and how they can accept Jesus as their personal Savior. It, it doesn't take very long to, to be able to do that. So um, that, again, is my challenge to you. Remembering that God has said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Thank you very much for allowing me to speak at the church today. Thank you for listening to me. I didn't see any heads nod that was out there. Thank you very much uh, for being here. Dave, I turn it over to you.